0: That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.
1: Hello, and welcome to Blizzard Watch, the podcast where we talk about Blizzard Entertainment and its many games. I'm Matt, I'm the host, and with me this week is my fantastic co-host, Ann Stickney. And what have you been up to in game this week?
0: Um... Nothing really out of the ordinary, honestly. Um, Most of what I've been doing has just been farming warfronts and farming uh, the world bosses and things like that. And the invasions. I really like the invasions that are going on and I try and catch them every time I can. Because they've actually got gear upgrades that are worth it. Is it just me or did the warfronts, even though they started out kind of alternating, they have quickly changed so that they're running the same way every time?
1: I don't know because right now the warfront is open for the uh the night elves, but it's not open for the Arathi, so kind of not, but kind of yes. It, it depends, they seem to be going kind on of like a pulsating thing,
0: yeah. I think that part of it was when the dark shore when you could gather resources for dark shore that first time around, so you could do the dark shore warfront, the horde completed it super fast. Like super fast. I watched it go from zero to full in the course of like maybe 24 hours or so. Because everybody was contributing because everybody wanted to go do Darkshore, right? And I think that kind of threw things off a little bit. Because when it went back to the Alliance side and the Alliance were supposed to contribute so that they could unlock the Darkshore Warfront and all of that so they could go do it. It took a few days. And the Horde had it like instantaneously almost it was crazy so i don't know if it's like a faction imbalance thing where there are just more horde players playing in general or level of enthusiasm is higher on the horde for some reason or i the holidays happened to come around so there weren't as many players on in general i don't know how that worked exactly but yeah i've been doing yeah. the war too
1: Warfronts I like, I haven't, I'm i sorry, I've got the quest to do them, but I haven't done them today, um, this week. I, I have not really, I haven't played this week because, you know, New Year's and everything. So this is the first time I've been back in game in a couple of days. But uh, until that, yeah. I was actually. See,
0: I've been playing, I've been playing pretty steadily, but for like the holidays, I decided to just go play Dragon Age Inquisition again and stream it for a while. I did that on New Year's Eve. It was kind of fun. Yeah, if I had the money,
1: I would totally buy you Odyssey.
0: <laughs> yeah. I can't I can't afford anything right now, so <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> someday, someday I'll get around Liz, to playing it.
1: I got Liz, I got Joe. I'll get yeah. you eventually. So, someday, no someday
0: I'll get around to playing it, I swear. But yeah, priorities. Video games, it's okay. I'm all right playing Inquisition again. It's actually kind of nice cuz it's I don't know. I just really like that game. So it's kind of like every time I go back to it, it's just it's like wrapping yourself in a cozy blanket. I don't know. I
1: liked Inquisition, but my favorite Dragon Age was Dragon Age 2. And that's the one I go back to every so often, especially since they made it backwards compatible with Xbox One. So I can pick it up and play it whenever I want. Um, Yeah, I don't think I could handle
0: Dragon Age 2 right now. There's just stuff that happens in there, and I don't want to yeah, look Yeah, emotionally
1: it. emotionally, it is a bit mm-hmm. of a sucker punch, it's true. It,
0: Yeah, uh, yeah.
1: I mean, the first time I played it, I actually had to
0: stop and and go wake my wife up at, like, 3 o'clock in the morning. She yeah. was not happy. No, I had to. She I put not... it down. I put it down for, like, a good three or four days before I came back to it, because it was just, I wasn't expecting that when it first happened inquisition Inquisition does not have that it has some emotional kickers but nothing on that level
1: so yeah there was the the black wall thing which which hurt me when i did it the first time i was really mad about that there's captain egghead and in his various reveals which are like what 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 like pretty much continuously going what whenever i deal with him and uh there's a moment in the the last expansion for Dragon Age Inquisition where the the you know the Inquisitor just finally snaps.
0: Yes, that like, was well, so in this good. World, I love it. Well, anything in this it. world
1: just stay fixed, except of course there was more swearing that I'm not yeah, doing. Yeah,
0: there there was a lot more swearing, and I absolutely loved it because I was like, yes, yes, just. Pour everything out, honey. It's okay.
1: What, what's really funny is I—I I don't know if you watch—you watch Critical Role, right? I and mean, we at some point we're going to talk about World of Warcraft and other games again. I promise. But you watch Critical Role, right?
0: Obsessively. <laughs> so but you, just campaign seen, 2. Seen... I never caught campaign one. Yeah.
1: So. But you—you've you've seen Sumali Montano when she was on playing her uh, her furball character, right, Nala?
0: <gasps> yes, I loved her.
1: She's the voice. She's one of the voices for the female inquisitor. Yeah. And she's the voice I always choose from my, for when I'm playing Canary. Uh, so I first heard that speech done by her and she sounds so authentically furious when she's giving it. Um, Alex Regan Wilson, who does the, uh, the female, like the more English sounding accent. She does she an does excellent
0: it, job with yeah. it too.
1: She does it kind of like heartbroken and and fed up and just wanting this stuff. Why won't this stay fixed? Matano sounds like she's going to come to your house and kick your face in if you don't fix things. Yep. So either way, either way, it's really good. The the, the male guy, the actors do fine too. Um, I actually think the male, the one voice I use for dwarves and kunari male guy does a really good job of just being like, what is all this already? But yeah, it's that's one of the moments I really remember every time I think about that game.
0: Yep. Anyway, but, that has yeah. very little to do with Blizzard at all, and we, do, we don't we do have a ton to talk about because we're in that kind of interim period where last week, everybody was on vacation. So there wasn't yeah. like a super ton of things that popped up to talk about, but there's a few things.
1: Yeah, and the stuff that's coming out this week is just starting to come out, so yeah. Yep. Let's talk about the, the big Heroes of the Storm news, which was a surprise to me. I wasn't expecting it. Um, last week, right around the 28th, uh, the, the Heroes of Storm Twitter tweeted that Imperius would be coming to the PTR. And as of today, he's on the PTR. Right now, if you're playing Heroes of the Storm on the PTR, you can test out Imperius.
0: Yay! Um, what is, I, did you poke around with him at all or anything? Or take a look at what he does?
1: I got to play him for exactly one AI match. And then I had oh. to
0: stop.
1: <laughs> um, but what I what I found with Imperius so far is that he he's mut he's very much another of those risk and reward types playstyles where it I don't know how to explain this he's set up to you have to be willing to put yourself out there a bit and and commit to things but if you do he's his main mechanic is something called Mark uh, I think it's called vindicates Mark or Mark of Vengeance I can't remember the name off the top of my head but what he does is Every time he uses one of his three major abilities, which are Celestial Charge, um, I can't remember the... Oh, yeah, Solarian's Flame, and Molten Armor. Anytime he uses one of those three things to damage somebody, they get a mark on them. If they get three marks, like if you use all three of those abilities on a group of people, like if you hit hit Celestial Charge, then Solarian's Flame, then Molten Armor. If you manage to get three marks on a guy, the next auto-attack you do on them will do... Significantly more damage and consume the marks. And it's if you only hit them with one of those abilities and then hit them with an auto attack, it'll consume the mark and do more damage. But the more marks you can get on people, the more damage your auto attacks will do.
0: So he's so not it, a cautious hero. No, he's but he's got like
1: molten armor and uh, oh bloody heck, I can't remember his two big heroic abilities. The one that I was using, uh, angelic armory, I think it's called or angelic armaments. Uh, that ability is a shield. And it's a shield that, if the enemy doesn't break break it off you in time, you can then use it as a skill shot and do damage with it. It's like because you're surrounded by a ring of of spinning swords, and the ring itself spins. The swords themselves don't spin, but the ring of the swords spins around you. And uh, if you get to use it as a skill shot, uh, if it hits, it does a ton of damage. It's it's actually really effective. It's a good ultimate. So uh, I know that
0: one... obviously he's not like a support or anything like that. Because no, he's a straight up. He does... He's
1: a he's a warrior. Okay, so is tank. he
0: like a tanky warrior, or is he a DPS kind of?
1: He can be a tanky warrior if you take the right ability. Like, he's between molten armor and angelic armory. If you take those two abilities, like he's he's really hard to kill. Like the angelic armor armory one is pretty good. Molten armor does damage to everyone around you and heals you for the damage you're doing. So if you you can use it like one two, if you use it if you can manage to get a molten armor off hit everyone with it and then you can celestial charge out of combat. You can save yourself if it looks like you're going down. Um but it it's sort of a timing thing whether or not you can get that off. I i am not So he's
0: not really what I would call a squishy character then.
1: No. It it also depends. If you take the other ultimate um mm-hmm. which I think is Wrath of the Angerus mm-hmm. that's one where instead of the shield around you you grab a guy you grab your target you jump up into the air with him and then you can target a spot on the ground and crash down and crash down with the guy you grabbed and stun him and do a bunch of damage so it's kind of like a couple other people's abilities put together i'm trying to think there's there's like two or three ones that have variations on this but none of them have the complete combination of grab the other person jump up in the air with them and land with them uh it looks like the diablo move like you remember in diablo 3 when you're doing Reaper Souls and he kept like landing and killing all the guys around you and then giving you snark Yep. it looks like it's that move except you do it you <laughs> do it. does he
0: deliver someone. the snark or do you have to do that
1: <laughs> he is his lines are pretty snarky I only heard a couple okay. but yeah he, he's very much he, I mean it's he imperious. Is imperious it kind of
0: has to be so
1: yeah he is very much imperious um, it's, it's
0: like a requirement of the character <laughs> you kind of have the snark in there He's fun to play. I don't, like
1: I said, I only did it with versus AI. I didn't like go out and actually do a match. Um, I just messed around a little. He's fun, and I think he'd be worth playing, but he is definitely another one of those, like, I'm trying to think of the character. I think Mitch, Mitch said in, in chat that he's, she's similar to Orphea in that they both have that sort of, the more damage you do to people, the more damage you can do to people thing. It's similar in that way. That design philosophy is there. It's it's done differently. You
0: kind of have to stick your neck out in order to do substantial yeah. amounts. So yeah, you need you need to be out there hitting people. If you if you're not in the
1: fray, you're not going to be doing as much damage. It's it's okay. very much get in close. He's got since he's got celestial charge, he can get into melee pretty pretty effectively. Um, but he could he is still kite vulnerable, and if he's being kited, he is much weaker. Um, if he if he can't hit anybody with molten armor, if he can't hit with um you know with Solarian flame to stun people and and slow them down, then he is just going to be less effective. That's he he's more effective if he can get up into people's faces. That's that's the bottom line. for He
0: needs him. to be right there in the thick of thing, yeah. things. Yeah, okay. He's... Well, that's pretty cool. So he's on the PTR right now. Do you mm-hmm. do you think he's going to be on the PTR for like what a week, a couple weeks?
1: I. I don't know how much more testing they actually need for him. To be okay. honest, he doesn't feel he doesn't feel brokenly OP to me. But then again, again, I am only speaking after like you know fifteen minutes. One AI, yeah, okay, yeah, okay. But so we'll see. I don't know how much testing they're going to want to do. I and also, I I'm going to point it out because it's the elephant in the room. I don't know how much development they've got going on anymore. Um. I don't know if this is going to be a situation where they drop new characters with anything like the frequency they had been.
0: Well, I know that they did say they did say that they were going to like they weren't going to. It wasn't like they were putting a halt on it, everything or anything like that. It's it's mostly the esports stuff that's kind of grinding to a halt. And yeah, they moved some developers off. But I think they still plan to release new heroes and do new things as they can do it.
1: Okay, well, the next thing we should probably talk about, because, again, well, it was kind of a slow week, but this is really cool. Um, I don't even know how to talk about it exactly. Warcraft Remastered, the, the Wrathgate Remastered, sorry, is a fan project that basically took the original Wrathgate cinematic from back in 2009? Is that when it came out? I want to say 2009,
0: 2010. It was, and yeah, used 2009, all 2010.
1: It's like all new models. And you were the one who told me about it. So why don't you talk about it because I, you know.
0: So there's this person and or group. I don't know if it's one person or if it's a couple of individuals. They're called IK Edit. And they are on, well, they're on YouTube and they've been doing Machinima stuff for quite some time now. About six months ago, they released, it was a remastered version of um, the trailer for Zolomon. Do you remember the trailer? The one that's all like, we oh yeah, bury you here. Yeah, okay. So they yeah. redid that. They redid that with the newer models and everything. It wasn't the newer Zandalari troll models, unfortunately, because at that point in time, I don't think that those were available. But they did this great job revamping it so that the humans were using the new human models, the elves were using the new elf models, and it was just like a higher resolution. It looked a lot better. It was beautiful. It was beautifully done. And I remember seeing it and going, oh man, I really like that because, you know, I always liked that trailer. That was one of my favorite trailers from back in the day. Well, about a week ago, this person released a trailer for what they were working on. And it made the rounds on Twitter. And it was a trailer for a re- remastered version of the in game cinematic, the Rathgate cinematic. Um, And I was super excited about that, because I don't know how often you've played alts through Wrath. I saw the Wrathgate cinematic again, like, I don't know, I think it was like a month ago, a couple of months ago, when I was leveling my nightborn because I was leveling my nightborn legit so that I could get the heritage armor and everything. Um, And I played through the Wrathgate, and I did the Wrathgate cinematic. And when I did it, I kind of, did a double take because I'm like wow that really didn't stand up with the test of time like all of these models look really old um,
1: Cause yeah because they are the old models they're the yeah. ones from before yeah. well
0: I mean all of this was done da- this was Wrathgate was the first in-game cinematic the rest of the stuff that you saw was trailers so like the Black Temple thing that was a trailer uh, the stuff that happened in at, at the end of uh, oh my gosh Sunwell. The stuff that happened at the end of the Sunwell that was all just in-game stuff. There wasn't a cutscene or anything like that. So this was kind of the first instance of them taking one of those trailers that they had worked so hard on, like the one for Zul'aman or the one for the Black Temple and putting it actually in the game. Um, It was also kind of noteworthy to me as a player because it was the first time really that we had a character that was an outright hero. Like Bolvar Four Dragon. Back when Wrath came out, everybody knew who Bolvar was. If you were an Alliance player, that was the dude that took on a throne room worth of Black Dragons single-handed and knocked them all down. He was the hero. He was the big bad hero that you wanted to be, right? And he yeah. dies here, and he dies in a really, really horrible way. And this was kind of, this in-game cinematic was kind of that first slap in the face with, yeah, nobody's safe. Not even those beloved NPCs that you think were, like, the best thing since sliced bread. Yeah, they aren't safe either. The Lich King means business. And this sort of also it kicked off that whole story arc with Bolvar that leads to where he's at today and everything even that was going on with Sourfang and what Sourfang's dealing with now because this was kind of the lead up to the death of his son and that led to a lot of character development for him so there's a lot going on with the cinematic and it's just it's a beautiful cinematic to begin with even though the models are old even though all of that other st- it still hits you like a train to the gut right? Seeing it redone like this, it's so beautiful. And I don't know if you guys have seen this or not. If you haven't, go look it up. I mean, we wrote about it on the website. You can see it there. Go to YouTube. Check out this guy's other work. Because I swear, he's not working for Blizzard, but he should be.
1: Didn't they also do that really kind of cool just before the sword thing? Like yes. showing what it would be like in Silithus just before the Sargeras stabbed it. Yeah. They, they do a lot yeah. of interesting stuff.
0: They they have a ton of really, really gorgeous work that they've done both with World of Warcraft and with um, other games too. I think they did one with Counter-Strike, but I'm not sure. Um Anyway, they've got a bunch of material there. And the way that this turned out, it's just it's a recreation shot for shot of that original cinematic. So it's basically what we see in game, only updated. And I could see if, if, if Blizzard took this and actually put it in the game, I wouldn't know that it wasn't them doing it. They need to hire this guy. <laughs> <laughs> they really do. This guy should be working for them. He should be doing something with them because he knows his stuff. And when yes, this Taren... is just a recreation. This one is just a recreation, but the other stuff that he's done, the original stuff that he's done, is just as gorgeous, you know?
1: It should be pointed out that when Terran Gregory posts a link to the video you made remaking his work, and he's saying, you should check this out, that's pretty high praise. Yeah. Um, the pe- people people Blizzard are noticing, so yeah, it, it is really cool. Um, one of the things I noticed about it was like they managed to make it seamless between the stuff that they had changed and the stuff they hadn't changed, which is hard to do. Um, there's like Frost Vrykul in it. That they, there's no new Frost Vrykul model. Um, but so they're using. But the But everything old model.
0: that they did, the the way they, opt, they
1: they made it, yeah, they brought up the the, it the was level. Like it looks better,
0: high res. It was sharper. It was clearer. They played around with the depth of field in a way that was just like kind of masterful. They did all of these things, and it's just this effortless kind of. The only nitpick that I have, and this was pointed out by somebody else, and I kind of agree, is that at the very end of it, when the red dragons when they light everything on fire. In the original cinematic, there's like green growing where the fire hits because it's sort of a signifier of the dragon's flames bringing new life. And you don't see that in the remake. It's not made as clear in the remake. And I wish that they had done that. But I'm not really complaining because this is beautiful. And like I said, if they put it in the game right now, I wouldn't know that it wasn't Blizzard that did it. I really wouldn't. And yeah, I don't know what else they've got on, you know the plans the list of things that they're going to do for 2019 but yeah if you haven't been watching this guy's stuff go watch it it's ik edit on youtube
1: all right well since it was a slow week we're just this point we're just going to move on to some emails if you have an email for the show please send it to podcast at com with a subject line podcast or blizzardwatch in there so we know it's for this show um just go ahead and take it away in, if you don't mind.
0: Okay, first email is from Verdigree, who says, Hello, Verdigree here, Frost, Forsaken Frostmage. Frostaken. No, Forsaken Frostmage. I was thinking of what could happen with Saurfang and Sylvanas that could be different enough from how we overthrew Garrosh that it could feel fresh enough to people who played through the Rebellion and Siege of Orgrimmar. What if instead of what we did before, replacing the one war chief with another, we end up moving away from keeping all of the power in the hands of one leader and establish some kind of council, splitting up power and letting other voices in the Horde leadership have a say? Thanks and Happy New Year for a degree.
1: I mean, I'm not opposed to the idea. Um, If you're asking me what I think is going to happen, I don't think that's it. But I wouldn't be upset if that's what they did. I wouldn't mind a move away from the structure as it is now, however they do it. But I don't know what it's going to be. I straight up, I do not know how this is going to end. This is the first time they've actually gotten me to the point where I straight up just don't know. Um, I don't. I knew what was going to happen to Garage. I, I felt very clear up from like w- from the point, moment of the divine bell. I knew where Garage was going. I, I have yet to get to the place where I know what's going to happen here. Um, I don't know. Like, you know, M might feel differently. Maybe you see, you think you see it all going. There
0: were there were points in Cataclysm where it was kind of clear that Garrosh was not long for this world. <laughs> he got away with a lot. Um, as far as Sylvanas and what Sylvanas is doing and everything else that's going on, I wouldn't object to seeing something like a Council of Three Hammers only with the Horde leaders. I'd be okay with that because what we have to look at here is what we have left to work with the only original faction leader that was still that is still here that was here in vanilla when world of warcraft first came out is sylvanas that's it everybody else is new Lorthamar came in during burning crusade bane came in during cataclysm I don't know who's leading the trolls right now. I don't know who's leading the orcs right now. I don't know if they have like a figurehead or anything like that. I assumed it was Saurfang, but I don't think it is. So to me, it feels like we're kind of in the middle of a changing of the guard, as it were. And maybe the time of one war chief is kind of coming to an end. Maybe we don't need one voice saying, yeah, I've got the experience because I don't think any of them have the experience individually. I don't think Thrall did even when he took over. I don't think that he had the experience to do it. He just did it. Um, I think that them coming together as a council that makes a lot more sense to me anyway. I don't know. What do you think?
1: Well, Thrall got the job because the previous holder of the title uh, gave it to him effectively. Um, And And he was young. He was real young. That's the continuity, yeah. (laughs) was but that's also the continuity between the old horde and the current horde was that orgrim doomhammer said you know take my job be the lord chief so he did it because he was told to do it but it's not like it was something he necessarily wanted to do um it wasn't it was more along the lines of it was the only way to get his people out of you know the camps and get them somewhere else
0: someone had to lead so he took it up
1: yeah in terms of I mean, it would be interesting because it would mean that the Horde was more democratically led than the Alliance, and that would be interesting. Um, not that it would be actually. Well, the Alliance but... kind
0: of works as as they've always kind of worked as everybody's talking to each other. Varian yeah, don't was have... sort of the head of the Alliance, but it was more of like a military type. You know, it wasn't. I don't think that he was the one that called every, all of the shots or anything. He asked other people for their opinions and, you know, we even see
1: it. We, we even see in, um, in the dark shore stuff. We see that the second that Anduin doesn't say doing is isn't doing something that um, Tyrande wants, she just turns and goes and does it. He doesn't have the ability to countermand her. He can't tell her, no, you're not doing that. That's just not in his So it would be interesting to see if the, if the horde actually had a straight up council, where they actually got together and made decisions, that would be an interesting change in the Horde dynamic that we've never seen before. We've never seen, like, we've never had the Horde be to the point, the only time we've ever had them where one of the faction leaders says to the head of the Horde, we're not going to do what you want, the Horde went into war. Like, they started civil war over that, so...
0: But that's because Garrosh was holding that position of war chief kind of with an iron grasp, and I yeah. feel like Voljin wouldn't have done the same thing. But Voljin didn't get around, to, didn't get to stick around long enough to show us what he was capable of or how he would even lead. We didn't get to see yeah. how Vol'jin led the Horde. It, that, that to me, is one of the biggest regrets I have and the biggest you know, quibbles that I have with Warlords of Draenor is that it turned all of the focus on us as the player because we were the leader of the garrison. We did all this other stuff. We were the big, huge hero or whatever. But we never got to see what Vol'jin was doing. He he stepped into this role at the end of Missa of Pandaria and it was a big deal. They said, you're going to be Warchief. And he was like well okay i guess and that's the last we heard of it until he died <laughs> in legion yeah there is and we missed it a we missed all yeah. of it <laughs> so like, there's, a,
1: there's a sparseness of volgen whereas yeah. at least i think we said it before at least when varian died it felt like his death was earned like he'd done he'd done enough
0: varian Whether did not, a lot he he did a lot in his time and he had a lot of story progression in his time and he had a lot of stuff that he did as a character in terms of development and that kind of thing so i felt like with varian did i want to say goodbye to varian no absolutely not i thought that there was more that that character could do but i still felt like he got a fair shake right yeah one of
1: the things that thinking about what we're talking about here it would be interesting to me as if at the end of this expansion, Sylvanas and, and uh, Sarfang were to negotiate this kind of thing, and she doesn't get deposed, she actually slides back into her role as Head of the Forsaken. I mean, it wouldn't be satisfying in the subject of she did all this stuff and then nothing happens to her, but that happens in negotiations. To end the bloodshed, you might have to accept that Sylvanas Windrunner is not going to pay for her crimes. She did horrible things. Mm, I don't things. like
0: that idea. I don't and like that. I don't that. like it either, I mean,
1: but it's quite possible. I mean, think about it. Keep in mind
0: that I love Sylvanas as a character, and I don't want to see Sylvanas go down the same road that Garrosh did. I really don't, because I think that she has a lot more potential, and she's also she's one of those really beloved figureheads from the franchise, and if you get rid of her, a lot of people are going to be very unhappy. She's Like I said, she's beloved, so... You know, how do you resolve that at the same time, give some kind of sense of satisfaction to the Alliance who saw Teldrassil burn to the ground? You know, is there a way to resolve that? There has to be a way to resolve that, but I don't know what that way is. I
1: don't know if a sense of satisfaction is even possible. Like as an Alliance player, I don't, I can't think of, if we went, marched into Orgrimmar, destroyed the Horde and killed Sylvanas, I wouldn't feel any better. Over what happened to Tildrossel. and I don't know that you're going to be able to. In fact, I'm starting to wonder if that's not the story itself. Like Taronda goes to Darkshore, she becomes the, you know, the avatar of the Dark Warrior. She leads her people against the horde, and ultimately, it's not satisfying because you're you're killing people like Syrah, who's one of your own people, who's now serving the enemy. There's no feeling of victory there. I I find myself wondering if that's part of the story here is that you don't necessarily win. I don't know.
0: Here's my thing with the story in battle for Azeroth. Do I think it's very good? Yes. Do I enjoy where it's going? Yeah. There's a lot of little elements here and there that are being introduced that are raising all kinds of questions with me that aren't necessarily going to be addressed this expansion, but they're kind of paving the path forward for other expansions or other things that we want to be doing other patches that kind of thing at the same time while i am enjoying the story it's kind of a downer right now to put it mildly (laughs) it doesn't feel very good to be in the middle of all of this war stuff it doesn't feel very good when there's no moments of victory it doesn't feel very good to be in this sense of constant struggle at least with Legion we got a few points where it was like okay triumphant stuff is happening we are making progress things are going on there are good moments in the middle of all of this and right now in Battle for Azeroth I haven't really felt any good moments there was that one point where Jaina came back That whole cinematic there, yeah, that was a good moment, and I liked that a lot. But it was a very personal little moment for an NPC, not for myself or my character. I liked the stuff that was going on in Zoldazar, but nothing in Zoldazar was going great. Nothing in
1: Zandalar is going very well. The the entire Horde leveling story is a story of just continuous, things get worse and worse and worse. I, I feel to a degree... Um, since it's happening this January, I feel like we can talk about it to a degree. I feel like to a certain degree, the battle for Dazar'alor from the Horde side is the ultimate culmination of that. And it's absolutely Horde-focused because, and I don't mean that in, a, in like a negative way. I mean that the Horde are the reason that Dazar'alor gets raided. Because the Horde raid yeah. told twice. Yeah. Twice.
0: Xandalar do- wouldn't have done it. Yeah. On their own, Xandalar wouldn't have done it. Xandalar wouldn't have cared. And Zandalari t- pays the price for this. Yeah, it's Zandalar are the
1: ones who, who lose because the horde is into brinksmanship. And it's not and
0: happy. It, none of it is happy. Like that's I, I my point: is that none no. of this, none of this, we need some good moments, guys. Like we just, we just need a few good moments. We need, we need some points that aren't all doom and gloom. You I know? think that's
1: why. I think it's why 8.2 is going to be a little divorced from the Alliance Ward story.
0: Yeah, I'm hoping that that one. Room. Yeah, I'm hoping that that one maybe makes me feel a little better because right now it doesn't feel that great, and it's not, it's not the game. I mean, there's enough to do in the game to keep me occupied aside from you know daggers not dropping. But moving on from that. <laughs> We're not going to get into that. Moving on from that, there's more than enough to keep me occupied. Like, you know, we got little island invasions, we got the war fronts, we got the raids, we got the dungeons and things going on, that kind of thing. It's all enough to keep me occupied and keep me playing. But I don't feel very good about it because the lore is not very happy. And I understand that you can't really write a happy war story. That doesn't those two things don't go together. They're kind of diametrically opposed as it were um there's no such thing as a happy war but we need some moments of sunshine we just we just need some moments of sunshine because it's hard right now it's just hard to play through that over and over and over again and it's hard to keep playing through that with no anything um, Liquid R in the chat channel says that Flynn Fairwind is enough bright spot for everyone. Yes, he is. There are characters. There are characters throughout this expansion that are really interesting and I like them a lot. But it's just like these little specks, these little moats on this vast sea of things are not great. <laughs> and I and I know that there's no magic wand that they can wave to make things great again or anything like that. It's just it would feel better if there was some kind of satisfaction or, I don't know. I don't know how to put it.
1: I don't know. I, I feel like, you know, to a degree, if we keep going, this would be the entire show and we should move on to do some other emails. But yeah, we probably I do should. have more thoughts about it and that maybe some lore we will get to cover them.
0: Okay, well we're doing Overwatch this weekend anyway, so maybe we can talk about it at that point. Anyway, uh, next email is from Bel Nora, who's from Warm Rest Accord. Says, "Greetings, Watchers. I have two questions about some specific technology in Overwatch that will probably require a bit of tinfoil and possibly be more appropriate for Lore Watch, but I wasn't sure. Yeah, no, we can talk about it in this one. Uh, the first is in regards to the various types of shielding we see characters like Reinhardt, Orisa, Symmetra, Diva, Winston, and others use. Do you think that the technology is universal, i.e., one person created the tech and then each country slash person tweaked it for their own purposes or do you think each of the shields we've seen were developed independently of each other? I ask because there's a clear distinction in both composition and deployment amongst all the shield users of the game. Um, Let's answer that one and then we'll move to the next one if that's okay?
1: Sure. I think to a certain degree what you're looking at is related and I can't pronounce the word I apologize but the Vardkar, Vardikar um, Symmetra's Supporters and backers, the company that they the Vishkar, Vishkar, thank you, the Vishkar Corporation, Um,
0: the hard light technology. Yeah,
1: yeah, I I think that's the most advanced version of it. Mm -hmm. And then the other versions you see are are definitely along the same line. It's like the same field. They all seem to be a kind of. They're all energy based. They all seem to be a kind of energy based thing, and they all look relatively. To me, they look relatively similar. There are differences, obviously. But it all seems to be based around that idea I mean, of the energy.
0: I think with Reinhardt's weapons... Well, I don't know with his shield. Because I was going to say, I think Torbjorn developed that. But Torbjorn couldn't have developed that because he was using that shield back before he even joined Overwatch.
1: No, no that's, that, that's that Knights, the uh, the Crusader guys. That's yeah. their technology. It's
0: their tech. I think
1: it's. it seems to be something that was in multiple places. It It reminds me to a certain degree about how you have vcrs versus betamax back in the day or how recently had blu-ray versus you know dvd hd and like there's a technological standard that takes over not necessarily because it's the best but because it's you know it's ubiquitous and enough people adapted it that you it it wins by being more present
0: i feel like i feel like it's kind of like um with cell phone technology you have a bunch of different companies who do a bunch of different things with cell phone technology, and they have different ways of doing the same thing, but they're all working towards the same thing, and they all work with each other in the same context. It's just you have different developers working with the same base template, and they're all coming up with vastly different systems for like operating and that kind of thing. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah,
1: but it's also at the same yeah, but at the same time with cell phones, you notice they tend to start heading towards. Like, a Samsung smartphone looks a lot like an iPhone. Looks yeah. Looks a lot like a, you know. They, they all kind of, just...
0: they go down the same path. They kind of arrive somewhere near each other, adjacent locations, as it were. But they took a different route to get there.
1: And there's no reason, like, you could make a flip phone right now. There's nothing stopping people from making flip phones, except they don't think that's what the market is. So there's a combination of, like, you know, technological innovation people adapting those innovations and what's what's the profit margin what's the reason to make it um with stuff like an overwatch a lot of the shields do the job like obviously that crusader armor is we're looking at like 25 30 years old by now you know that was yeah. a while ago he was a young man when he first started wearing it
0: but brigitta's working still on works. it you know yeah. she works on the tech and things like that too so but, he, but, it's being yeah. updated but It's, it's being old tech al- that's being updated.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's being updated, but it's staying along the same basic lines because it works. Like, we have cars today that are more advanced than any cars that were ever built, but they're still cars. They, there's there's changes and adaptations, but at the same time, if a technology, piece of technology works, it'll stay in the field. And that's with military and pseudo-military type technology like that's happens even more like the jeep lasted for decades we're still using tanks that we used in the 80s and 90s the a10 warthog is still flying because we don't it, it does the job there's no reason to spend money to make a plane that would do it better so there's all that to continue with as well i think a lot of overwatch shield technology and other technology is along those lines like plus we're we also have to talk about the biotic stuff like yeah. there's some really weird stuff in Overwatch. Like you can shoot people with a gun that will heal them. And that's just weird. <laughs>
0: like, and you just drop a
1: grenade that will heal people. So the
0: scope of the scope of um synthetic parts. You get everything from junkrat who's wandering around on a peg leg. It's a glorified peg leg. To McCree who has a fully functional cybernetic arm. To Genji, who is practically entirely who is, rebuilt. Yeah. There's a brain in there, but we don't know how much else is actually Genji at this point. Um, so technology in Overwatch has gone... It's just run the gamut. I mean, we're in the future. There's future stuff happening. And I don't know like, how much really that has any kind of impact or effect on the story or anything that's going on but as far as the technology goes with the shielding it all looks like variations of hard light light technology which is what the Vishkar company specializes in but I couldn't tell you if it was Vishkar that came up with a template that everybody else is following, or if Vishkar was born out of that template, it was something that popped up during the Omnic crisis. It was technology that was developed during that period because they needed something. And then the people that survived that moved on and founded the Vishkar Corporation in order to find something better to do with that hard light technology. And that's when they started making buildings and things with it instead of just shields. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, exactly. And I mean, Just for another example, of the same kind of thing, Mercy and her, you know, various healing type stuff that went into the gun against her wishes. And then we have people like Moira running with it and doing stuff. Torbjorn was was like an expert
0: munitions guy who was building all kinds of weapons and techs and things. Did he learn from Vishkar? No, he was just doing his own thing. So yeah, I'm not sure which way it relates to each other but I feel like they're all kind of related in the same way that all cell phones are kind of related. Like they all do the same thing. It's just different sources. You know what I mean? Yeah, it makes sense. Okay. Uh, Second question is from Bail Nora says my second is a bit more silly, but something I've been wondering as I've been playing the game more. How does, (laughs) I didn't read ahead here. Maybe I should have. Okay. How does Zenyatta float? My friends and I hypothesize that the only way he could maintain his cross-legged stance while floating is if he had little thrusters where his butt would be. Thoughts?
1: (laughs) I don't think he has little thrusters where his butt would be. Um, But I don't know how he does that. I mean, but then again, with with the various kind of hard light and energy fields they can generate, it wouldn't be that hard to generate one you can't see. And, you know, right now we can make maglev fields to hold stuff up off the ground. There's entire trains that are run by maglev fields right now i
0: was gonna say honestly my thought on it was that he was actually like the omnic technology was advanced enough that he was using the earth's own magnetic field and working against it like there was some kind of tech there where you could float by
1: doing that yeah which there's no reason not you couldn't do a maglev field and just push off off the ground his movements
0: are so fluid that it kind of suggests that anyway you know what i mean yeah,
1: I, like I said I don't. I don't disagree with that idea. I think it wouldn't be that hard to to some sort of energy field, magnetic or otherwise, to to hold yourself up off the ground. Like I said, I mean, that's the other thing about the shield technology. The shield technology might just be visible because it's. They want people to see it. They want to know. Oh, is my shield still up? We'd better make it visible because it, you know, if it's not visible, how does how does Reinhardt know his shield is up? You know what I mean? Like if it was an invisible field. You'd have to be like checking your readings all the time. Whereas if it's a big glowy field, you know you've got it up. You know you can hide behind it. So there's no reason they couldn't make one invisible and have it be being used to float something off the ground. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, I don't actually know. I think thruster butt would be kind of funny. Um, but I, I think we'd probably notice if he had thruster butt. I, I think there'd be some thrusting going <laughs> on. That's just weird to say. <laughs> there'd be some none of this is on. appropriate <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to
0: say anything wrong is the worst part Qualin in the chat channel says inner peace <laughs> inner which
1: peace makes as much sense light.
0: as it makes as much sense as anything else he is he has divorced himself from from chaos so much that he's light as a feather I don't know um it's a good question though Bill Nora. <laughs> I don't I don't know if we answered it cuz you know, we don't write for the game or anything like that. We just make stuff up, but yeah, uh we got our theories. Uh next email, let's see. I'm going to let's see. Um Speedlancer's question here is actually one that's already been kind of answered and addressed. So I guess we'll just mention it real quick, maybe? Sure. Yeah. Okay, so Speedlancer asks, so I just noticed my active Emissary quests no longer tell me how long they're active for. Does that mean if I don't do one but keep doing any others that are active, it'll never despawn, or is it simply the timer was removed? That's actually been addressed. The timer has been returned. It was a bug. It wasn't intended to happen that way. It just happened. Um, they've since put that timer back again. There's never been no timer. There's always been a timer. It just wasn't visible for some reason. Um, and I'm glad that they put it back in because man, I hate it when I can't see when something's gonna go away. <laughs> it's not very convenient. Uh next email is from the weasel who says, Greetings, Anne and the Sasquatch. Why are they calling you a Sasquatch? You're a barbarian. There's a distinct difference there.
1: My cat's name's Sasquatch and perhaps they've gotten confused. Yeah. You can't uh, you can't see my cat.
0: So they said So can someone explain to me when Overwatch is set? Is it the near future? A hundred years from now? Does it have an established it's been this long since X or anything? They have an amusement park full of modern Blizzard games, but wouldn't those games be super old by the time Overwatch comes out, whenever that is? That's
1: a good question, because I don't know the answer to that question. Uh, I think it's at least a century, but that's kind of, it's purposely up in the air a bit. Like, they don't give you an exact year, to my knowledge. At least I've never seen one. Uh, maybe you know Anne's a little bit more involved in Overwatch lore than I am but I don't think you, have you seen one?
0: I don't I believe we are I want to say that the Omnic crisis and all of that was set like 30 years in the future and then 30 years after that is current day but I could be wrong um I want to say that that we're like at least 60 years or so in the future. So it's not present day by any stretch of the imagination. And it's not like near future, near future. It's distant future. But far enough forward that technology has advanced to the point where we have butt thrusters. (laughs) Uh, And I can't, I can't, I, I don't know if there's an exact timeline. There's just like. There's various dates that they've kind of thrown out there without without pinning anything down. Because the thing is, is once you start pinning things down to certain dates and things like that, you're automatically locked into things. And I don't think that, you know, in the early days or the early years of this game's development that they want to lock themselves in too much to one timeline or one set of this is how things are going to happen because they're still flushing all of that out
1: yeah as long as they keep it somewhat vague it can slide forward and it's always uh certain it's always a sometime in the future not exactly you know oh it's 2019 how come we don't have blade runner yet uh, i think we don't, okay? i
0: think if i remember right the way that it's set is that the omnic crisis happened about 30 years from our future and that's like 30 years from 2014 15 16 in there when it came out And then the events of current day Overwatch are 30 years after that. So we're like, I don't know. Well, I guess I'd be like, what, 2074, 2075 or 6 or somewhere in there. It's in the future. It's just not like super, super far into the future. Far enough that we've seen technological advances and things like that, but not far enough that things would be completely out of date. And yeah, maybe Blizzard World might be a little bit, it's like, oh, wow, these are really old games that we've made a theme park out of. But then you have to look at, you know, look at Disneyland. Look at It's a Small World <laughs> or, you know, Splash Mountain. The Matterhorn Mountain. is
1: perfectly reasonably up to date.
0: <laughs> I was going to say, Splash wow. Mountain <laughs> references Pirates of the Caribbean a movie that they, they don't have the out anymore because, yeah. um, mm yeah. you know, So it's matter, not. The
1: Pirates of the Caribbean and all that stuff, That's a, yeah. they was they made a movie out of that. Ride, and then so. they
0: updated the ride to reflect the movie, but that ride was around for years and years and years before the film ever came to be. So certain things have lasting power. And I guess if you want to look at it that way, Blizzard World and the games that it's referring to and all that other stuff, it's just referring to things that had that same kind of lasting power. Considering how long World of Warcraft has been around, I don't think it's that out of place. You know what, what I mean? annoys
1: me is that you don't get to go to the overwatch section of Blizzard World. And freak everybody well, in this, out.
0: <laughs> in this version, in this version there is no Overwatch. <laughs> or if there no. is, maybe it's crafted after the organization and they just cancelled the game after Overwatch was disbanded and they don't talk about it anymore. Like Song of the South. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But
1: yeah, generally speaking, it's some point in the future, we don't know exactly when. Uh, it's it's kept vague on purpose so you don't have to worry too much about ever hitting some point where you know if Overwatch is still around in 20 years we don't want people going when's the Omnics going to start an uprising what's going on with that uh, not that I assume they're worried that much
0: let's about that, let's but. not have that happen thanks okay Um. next email is from I don't know how to pronounce this because it has an a e at the end so it could be squaw or it could be squay but they are a 120 no monk on Kargath US who says greetings watchers like a lot of people I wonder about the ultimate fate of Sylvanas at the end of Battle for Azeroth we talked about that a little bit I was wondering what if any entities in the Azerothian cosmos would be capable of doing what Zira tried to do to Illidan and returning to her to quote unquote life i.e. her state prior to encountering the Lich King moreover if this were to happen what do you think would be the impact on the Forsaken the Horde and on Sylvanas herself I think Sylvanas would go completely cuckoo.
1: Yeah. um, Returning her to a state of life would mean she could suddenly feel everything she'd been through at full emotional blast, as opposed to right now where she can just kind of feel it like an amputated limb that still sends occasional twitches.
0: More important than that, she would have a sense of empathy that she lacks right now, and she would be able to look back on everything that she did while she was the banshee queen and have to deal with the magnitude of that on an emotional level that she can't touch right now
1: yeah like i I mean if you guys if you haven't read uh, war crimes uh, by the way i recommend it you should totally read it christy golden does amazing work in it and uh one of the things in that book that it's really pointed out several times is that the forsaken don't feel the same like you can still hold on to things like love and emotions, but they're felt. Th- it's like feeling them through gloves. There's a detachment that's just you know you're you're not alive. You're a dead thing. Your body is decaying. You're not all there. Just the stuff that it's makes like trying
0: you... to pick something up when your hands asleep.
1: Yeah, you know. And so, as much as that's a handicap at times, it's also a source of strength, and it allows you to not like Sylvanas is not crippled by guilt, no matter what she does. She just never, she's able to just disassociate and keep going. But if she were alive, she'd have all the trauma of her like life and her transition into death and all the things she did since, And it would all be stuff she'd be feeling like, imagine just just one example of one thing, imagine being alive again and looking at Nathanos who's dead, but still moving around. And part of that's your fault because you're the one that made him more like that in the first place. You didn't let him go to his rest. You kept him around to use him. Somebody you used to love. Somebody you probably did love.
0: And you killed one of his relatives to make him look a little better.
1: Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's just... It's... All that kind of stuff would be hers. In terms of what could do it, I don't think the Naru could. No. Because the Naru couldn't stop the Scourge from killing one guy. And it wasn't... Illidan wasn't dead. 0 wasn't trying to make him alive.
0: I don't she think was that trying this to- is... Yeah. I don't. I don't think this is their area of jurisdiction because we're dealing with a being that is a creature of stasis, and I don't think that the Naru can touch that. I don't think that the light and the void can touch that. I think that's why the void fears her is because it's something that it can't touch or affect. Um, if
1: there's anything out there with that kind of power, I mean, maybe a loon, because we don't know what a loon can do. We don't know what a loon is. Um, maybe a titan who really wanted it to happen, maybe. But it's sort of like, how is it going to do it? We don't really know because we don't... We know there are entities in, living in the Shadowland that are powerful and involved with death, but we don't know exactly if... We don't know if they could do it or, the, you know, if undeath is their doing. We There's a lot of unknowns here. But if it happens... We happened, have
0: someone in the chat channel asking, what about Kalia? Kalia Menethil and She's still dead. She's... Kalia Kalia is a different kind of case because Kalia died and the Naru brought her back and started like Kalia is this weird sort of hybrid forsaken that wasn't resurrected by a Valkyr and wasn't really resurrected per se she's undead but it was the light that did it And it feels like this was the light's first foray into, I almost feel like Kalia was kind of an experiment. She
1: feels to me a little bit like she's what
0: she is, what you're
1: talking about when you're talking about Illidan. She's like a light forged undead. Yeah. She's like, she isn't, she's still undead. She's still dead. But the point was. She's not in a living body. At
0: the genesis of her as this undead thing, she was dead. She was just dead. She wasn't She wasn't undead. She wasn't already a Forsaken. She hadn't already been touched by the Valkyrie or the Lich King or anybody else. She had no time as Scourge. She was just a body that they brought back. Sylvanas has a lot more going on, and she's been touched by and shaped by and influenced by powers that we do not understand and i don't think that the light understands it and i feel like what they did with calia was kind of the first step towards trying to understand how that could happen or how it works or make some kind of sense to it you know and what there's I mean? a thing
1: in the, yeah, there's a thing in the book specifically arguing that the reason she is the way she is is that anduin and fail work together to try and bring her back yeah and it's their dual natures have affected her so she's a little bit of aonsus foul and a little bit of anduin
0: it wasn't a creature of stasis raising a dead thing to become another creature of stasis it was the light and void working together to raise a body from being dead to something other calia isn't forsaken Kalia is something completely different that we've never seen before and i find it kind of weird that we haven't like she hasn't even been addressed or talked about or anything in battle for azeroth particularly since that was kind of the pivotal moment of the book she gets
1: one mention uh at the end of the new raid she gets mentioned
0: and that's it it's just a mention
1: it's it's not even a she doesn't even actually we don't even see her get explained Uh, somebody asks, what about my friend Kalia? And somebody's like, oh, that's a story I'll tell you. And that's, yeah, we're not, we're not even privy to the actual conversation where it's explained. So yeah, there's, it's, they haven't forgotten her clearly, but they haven't done anything with her either. So who knows? We don't know. But in terms of what could do that, I, you got me. I, I, I don't know. I don't know if you could make a light forged undead that's still dead, but is now light forged. I mean, that's kind of what Kalia is, but I don't know if that's something that could be replicated. Um, and keep in mind, it took Anaru and two powerful priests just to do Kalia. As Ann pointed out, Kalia was dead, not undead, not forsaken. I don't know what you're going to need to get through something like Sylvanas has been dead for a while now. And has been this for a while now i don't
0: like i said i feel like i feel like the whole thing that happened with Kalia, it was kind of for her benefit yeah but it was also i feel like it was kind of like the light and the void going hey you know that sylvanas thing how that's like really bugging us and we don't know what's going on with that and we don't really know how to comprehend that let's make a thing and see if in creating that thing we can kind of understand how this other thing ticks Maybe you know I don't mean? know how much
1: the void. I don't know how much of the void was really involved in it. I don't remember. I,
0: I don't know. Well, I mean, you had Anduin and you had Alanzus, and Alanzus does shadow priesty things and and light priest things, and I don't know. I I really don't know. It's it's a weird kind of dynamic. That whole scene was really weird, and there was a lot more to it, I think, than we actually saw.
1: But yeah, to to try to wrap up and actually answer your question, she'd probably go mad, but we don't know. I honestly feel like it would be the worst punishment imaginable to make her be alive. And quite frankly, if she wanted to stay alive, she'd have to run away really fast because the Forsaken would want to fix her as quick as possible. They'd have to be like, oh, 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 this is horrible. What happened to her? Let's let's fix it. We can kill her and, you know, we'll have one of the Valkyrie
0: raise her. Uh,
1: and, and assuming, of course, that the second she gets raised, the Valkyrie don't take off, because I don't know how that would work. That's that the other thing. The Valkyrie the Valkyr are bound to her. Bond,
0: yeah. yeah, entirely. Yeah, that's a little bit weird. That whole situation is weird. i That's one of those things. There's a lot of stuff in Battle for Azeroth that I'm like, I'm waiting to see more about. That's one of those things that I'm waiting to see more about. Um, we have one more question, and it's a real quick one. Uh, This one's from Idina, who's one of our patrons, who says, Dear Watchers, I'm emailing to make a request. Please do something special for your 200 podcast show. Can be anything. Old stories of Blizzard Watch over the last 200, special guests, even a longer show. But please don't let it go without doing something to celebrate. We're on episode 199 now. That is this episode. Yeah.
1: I wasn't sure, actually.
0: 200 is next week. Um, uh, that's we a little don't, bit short notice. Yeah, I was going to say, we don't have any plans to do anything for number 200. But, uh, and I don't know how how quickly we could arrange special, special guests or anything. But, um, I mean, if you guys want to send us well wishes or whatever, that's great. And I imagine that we'll say, hey, cool, it's our 200th episode. Maybe play a kazoo if I can find a kazoo between now and then. But, you know... I don't think we have any big plans or anything because we just we just do the show. Two hundred's a big yeah. number, though. I didn't realize it had been that
1: long. Yeah, I mean, I guess we've been at this for like a couple of years. A of while. The new show, so yeah. Um, and then yeah. with like occasional special, well, we've had special podcasts and stuff. I was too. gonna
0: say you have to look at there's 52 weeks in a year, and we're about to hit number two hundred. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's... Yeah. <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> been a long road oh uh, no please don't <laughs> okay anyway Uh, yeah I don't know we'll, we'll see if we can put something together if we If we don't I apologize but yeah it wasn't really something that we were thinking about we'll yeah, just do the I, show guys
1: <laughs> until I saw that email I didn't even know we'd done 200 of these or even close to yeah. it I was like oh wow yeah I guess we have been doing this a while someone um, in the chat channel okay. says
0: get Alex back for 200 I would, but um, he's got another full time job and I don't think that he can wrangle time off on short notice like that. So unfortunately. But yeah, we'll see what we can do. Maybe we'll maybe we'll do something. If nothing else, we we can take a minute and go, hey, we're at 200. Yay. Woohoo. That kind of thing. And then move on to our regular stuff. Anyway, that wraps us up for emails. And that also wraps us up for the show. So Blizzard Watch, it's made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch, and your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience.
1: Thank you very much, Anne. Uh, Again, guys, this has been the Blizzard Watch podcast. If you have an email for the show, please send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast of blizzard watch so we know it's this show thank you guys so much for listening and we'll be here next week for our 200th show